Welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I'm Kaylee Legrand. I'm Tanya Bevan. You are. We've got some real fun sound outside my window today. It's like a constant farting. farting. Is it a truck? Is it a drill? What is that? Toronto? Hello, Toronto. Toronto. It's just Toronto. Toronto is always under construction. It should be Toronto, the city of construction. Right. I love construction. Real talk. Good times. On that note... Hopefully we can cut it out with room tone, but... You're really loud today. Look at those red lines. Those are... That's just... That's me. That's my energy. I think that was me. Was that you? Yeah! <laughs> there See? we go. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Let's all oh, lean back oh, to the microphone go. a little bit. Anyway, yes. Lean back. Lean like back. Buster Ramses. Lean back. We or tried to get some room tone to get rid of the great noise in the background, but... Sound is something I'm sure Jeff Pavere considers when he's figuring out which films to allow into his film festival. Yeah, probably. To let you know who Jeff is, he's the person we'll be interviewing in this episode. (laughs) Jeff Pavere is the program director of Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival. However, he has also served as a writer, critic, and teacher in the past. Mm -hmm. So dabbles a little bit of everything within the media industry as well. Really great human. Super excited we get to share this episode with you. Especially because we talk so much about my favorite thing, Story with a Capital S. Oh yeah. He gets to look at a whole bunch of different stories to figure out which ones he pulls into the film festival. And Not this... only different stories, but special stories, too. Why are they special, Tanya? Well, because his film festival pertains mainly to mental health and stories that revolve around that, which is getting two birds stoned at once. Mm-hmm. Because it... Getting two birds stoned is the great <laughs> premise I would like to write for my next film idea. All right. Just two birds being like, dude, you flying high these days? I'm flying so high. Yeah, but like only on drugs and not so much in a metaphorical sense of the life that I live. You know, I've had some hard times, and that's why I'm getting stoned all the time. And tweet, it's just tweet. real talk between these two stoned birds. We called tweet tweet, motherfucker. Yeah. Jeff probably accepts stories that have a little bit more intricacy to them. What I like is that he runs a film festival that is very open about the fact that these stories deal with the human condition mm-hmm. and the suffering that we experience. And in reality, I don't know if we all realize this, but you know when you go to see a shitty movie Mm. and then you know when you see a good movie, the fact of the matter is, is that the good movies are the ones that are telling good stories. And good story is something that you relate to on the level of human condition. Yep. Figuring out how you can assimilate yourself with the hero of the story who is going through his or her trials and tribulations, being like... Yo, gonna get real right now, life real hard, these are my problems. And in the end, you know, either leaving you with a sense of hope, or maybe it's just a real story about 
difficulties in this world, mm-hmm. you're touched, you're moved, because we all suffer in some sort of way. Yeah, and maybe that's why our society is so obsessed with going to the movies or watching movies or stories, because it's powerful, emotional experiences. They're, it's subjective. Everyone sees it differently, mm-hmm. but not, not preachy at the same time. That's the fine line, I find. The balance where in order to make a good story, to make a good film, sure, yeah, you have to have an opinion. You have to Mm -hmm. have a strong POV. But you can't force your POV to a level of preachiness because the audience can smell that. And they're like, meh, don't tell me what to do. Just smells like farts on stage. (laughs) On the screen, you see that. You feel like you have to offer an experience that somebody can accept enough on a level of understanding that still relates to them because their life is different. Everybody has a different path to take. Totally. And they're not going to want to see your story or talk to you if you cannot leave that room for them to incorporate themselves. So no matter what it is that your approach was to that film, somebody's going to take their own experience away from it. That's what I love about good storytelling. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about the difference between, you know, what what movie going was like back in the day versus how we take in story these days. Because if you want to see a movie, you know, the most part of your film watching or TV watching experiences, do they happen in the movie theater or do you watch them on Netflix? Not anymore, no. Going to the movies used to be like an outing. Like it used to be a family thing when you were like six years old. You know, you'd go out the, the... doing of it going to experience this instead of sitting on your couch and watching netflix while on your phone checking your instagram or your facebook it's not the same experience anymore i don't think so i feel like it's not which i mean makes people consume more stories because they're not fully paying attention to the story in general Mm -hmm. i don't know that kind of got a little deep yeah (laughs) i don't even know where i was going with that no it's true it's be eh. Our industry has changed so much. Yep. It's not the same experience to dress up, put your top hat on and your big, beautiful dress and go to the theater in the, I guess, bougie way that we used to do. Yeah. Um, it has become so readily available that uh, we don't, we don't credit it the same way and we don't appreciate it enough the same way. However, um, I don't think that's the only reason why we we don't give it the same kind of credit because content has also been democratized. There's a good side to that and a bad side to that. Uh, But anybody can really make a movie now. Anybody can put a story out there. So it's kind of tough to filter through and choose the ones that do matter or that are of quality that will have the same effect on you. So how does movie going fit into our lives and uh, allow us to still still have that experience of relating to one another through the telling of the human condition. Is it something that is a big thing for us? Is it still a great release? Is it an escape? Was it always an escape? Does it have the same, I don't know if you could say... Addiction? Oh, there's an, I wasn't going down that road, but that is so true. Is what, what kind of relationship do you have with media intake? Is it, is it an addiction? Do you do it too much? Uh, 
is it so incorporated into your life? Like, does it affect the way that you live your daily life? Hmm. We talk a little bit about that with uh, our interview with Jeff. Super fun truck outside. You guys appreciate that, right? Mm -hmm. Sound effects. Paula. So what about as far as acting goes? I mean, if, if people are diving into story to escape or to find a connection, to connect with greater masses... What about what about you and your acting? Why do you do it? Do you do it to escape? I think I do it to learn. Oh, I like that. Different emotions to explore. I guess it kind of is an escape, too, from your day-to-day life. I mean, why not go pretend to be someone else for a few hours? Wait, which one's the escape, though? The acting or the real-life 9-to-5 job? <laughs> Depends on what your reality is. <laughs> hey... <laughs> Um, hey, which bird are you? Stranger Things. <laughs> mm, I think yeah, one or two. <laughs> Did uh, I get first stoned first or second? Which bird came? <laughs> which bird came first? <laughs> the one that was flying high or the, the one, one that, that was, was flying, flying by? by. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyways. I like the fact that stories are, they serve as analogies. The same thing as film. It's like, yeah. no, 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 we all the same. Here's just another thing that I yeah. suffered through. Yeah. Just feel this for a little bit. Yeah. So, feel yeah, this. I like the idea of you go to watch film or you go to act in order to learn. Because you're learning about so it's, it's a conversation between you and the screen. Or, yeah, it's a or conversation you and between you and yourself, too. Learning more about yourself and being like, oh. Yeah. I didn't know I could feel that way. I don't know, is gonna cry at an Adam Sandler movie. Whoa. Whoa, Adam Sandler, you're emotional. Right? Yeah. Happy Gilmore gets me every time. <laughs> I love Happy Gilmore. It's such Happy a Gilmore, good movie. Billy Madison, oh Big God. Daddy, all tearjerkers. Oh, my Why do you have to go from jerking. cute to capable? <laughs> go back and do the dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, but they allow us to connect with one another. Yes. We don't, ha- don't all have the same life. But you know what? Going back to stories with the Happy Gilmore Adam, they're good stories. Like, the underlying message. The reason why we are crying is because we understand the underlying message of the story. Yeah. Which I'm sure you understand, too, but maybe we're just really emotional women. Hmm. It's okay to be emotional, but there is a story even in the silliest of movies, and if you're crying, it's because it touched you. Because you peed your pants, too. In the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, those are ones that did stick with me because they do, they've got some fun, great, well-structured story, yeah. but at the same time, like, as, as real and depressing as it can be to, to think about, you know, ah, fuck, I'm going to literally go back to kindergarten and restart my life because I have fucked it up so much to the point where just, I can't do it until I go back again. That's yeah. a, that's a depressing thought if you think about that yeah, in terms of reality, yeah. Yeah. but then they just candy coat it with the fart jokes and the co- the comedy that yeah. appeals to masses, and they flip it on its head so that you can take it in, you can digest it in a very different way. Yeah, you get to the heart of the matter through really dumb shit. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love fart jokes, <laughs> pee jokes, fart jokes. They're all on. They're great. I'm on, I'm on board. Love them all. Mm-hmm. But the point is to understand one another through empathy. I think. Mm-hmm. Empathy is kind of that key. Cool. There's dumb stuff. There's smart stuff. It's if, no matter what it is, we have it all in our lives. Yeah. Is that is that maybe why we're also addicted to film? I like the fact that you brought that up. Is that addiction because there's 
there's vulnerability and honesty that they're putting out, but in a digestible way, because we're not usually vulnerable in our day-to-day. Hmm. 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 I like the fact that Jess Film Festival is so open in those regards Mm -hmm. and vulnerable enough to say, nope, only accepting films that actually boast the fact that they are about mental health. Yep. Not afraid to say it. Yep. Love it. On that note, you know what, let's hop right into the interview. My name is Jeff Pavir, and I'm uh, currently the uh, program director of the Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival, but I am also um, have been a writer and a movie critic and a teacher over the years. Okay. Done a lot of stuff. And your film festival, it focuses on particularly films that have to do with mental health? Yes, the Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival is um, has been around for, uh, this year will be its 24th incarnation. So it's been around for quite a while. Wow. And, and it's, it's a film festival that is um, devoted to uh, showing work that kind of engages with mental health issues and recovery and addiction. And the 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 concept behind it is that maybe there, there are a few things. It's that, it's that there's, there, often there's just something about the medium of film um, or television, um, but there's some sort of something on screen that can um, facilitate a shared experience followed by discussion. And so on the one hand, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating festival to program simply because of the content and the range of material. Um, but it's also really interesting because, um, you know, I, I sort of firmly believe that when it comes to anything concerning recovery, mental health, without discussion, without conversation, without the ability to kind of um, air out your own experiences and share your experiences, then we're still fighting what is probably the greatest, greatest challenge when it comes to mental health issues, which is the whole lack of conversation or stigma. So that's the one thing the festival does. The other thing, which is, I think, um, maybe not quite as important, but as interesting to me, is that sort of throughout the history of um, film especially, um, often um, filmmakers who have been engaging with mental health issues, um, madness as it has been depicted, addiction as it has been depicted, have created some of the most incredible work and artistic work and work that has sort of pushed the medium forward over the years. So I also believe that when you're dealing with issues like this on film, you're dealing with some of the richest cinematic experiences available. What do you think, uh, if it is from this madness or addiction, Mm -hmm. Mm What do you think it is that lends itself to creating such interesting and intricate work? I think there are, I think there are a few things. I think that the <clears throat> on the one hand, the what what film can do is uh, create a very powerful uh, emotional experience, um, and I think that's the reason why you know nearly 150 years after the first motion pictures were 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 generated, it's still the probably one of the most popular and influential uh, mediums in the world. There's something about film that just um, uh, touches us internally and emotionally. Uh, sometimes I, th- I think on levels we don't even realize or understand. And But there's also something about, about film which, because it has that sort of, generates that sort of internal response, is it can 
create a kind of a subjective experience um, which is can be very 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 powerful if it touches upon certain things inside you that you may not otherwise be able to express or that might reflect something um, uh, an aspect of your own personality or your own perhaps troubled relationship with the world that can be very very powerful and I think the other thing is that you know um, uh, filmmakers have have often been attracted to the medium because what they want to do they, they use it in order to um, represent um, uh, subjective experiences that only the medium of film can suggest maybe music would can come close but in terms of, of, of really creating a kind of an immersive experience, an immersive sensory experience, um, there's nothing like film. And I think that you know when you're trying to make films about what might it be like to see the world in a particular way, or if you're trying to suggest to somebody what the experience of living with uh, depression or anxiety or uh, uh, psychopathy, whatever you want, addiction, that film can create that, can generate that, can suggest that more powerfully than, than anything else. But I also think that, you know, for people who have um, um, uh, <clears throat> difficulty expressing uh, their own issues or have had difficulty finding um, uh, a relationship with the world that makes sense, sometimes things like film can um, reflect your experience in a more powerful way than anything else. So that's a very, very long answer to that question. Only because I think I, only because I think it's so rich. I think the connection between between sort of various forms of mental disorder, which are really all about perception, right? They're all about perception. They're all about your relationship with the world and the way you interpret the world. All of these things uh, can be, I think, probably so powerfully touched upon. Um, by film, and I think that uh, that is one of the reasons why it has consistently been such, it, when it comes to art forms and mental health issues, I still think one of the most powerful connections is between film and our mind. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it is a very yeah. deep conversation. There is much to explore. I think yeah. that's why I've started a podcast and talking to as many yeah. people yeah. as I can. And it is also true that you experience film a little bit differently than music separately and music itself lends itself and is a part of only one aspect of making a film yeah. so it's cool to take a look at involving writing process and music process and and bringing actors into the mix and then figuring out different ways to use the technology that we're developing exactly. to exactly. bring it all together into a new experience and we are pushing those boundaries as well mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. make it more immersive. You think of the amount of work that's going into VR films that Absolutely. have been produced. Absolutely. Would you say that there is just as much of an effect uh, when you bring conversation about mental health to other platforms like in the news and in, in other forms of media? Do you think that one has more power over the other to influence people over our, I guess, stigmas or, or perceptions about mental health? I think, it's, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, um, <clears throat> obviously my, my bias is, is film, uh, but I, I mean, I think that the, you know, what we're, what we're talking about is not just simply a question of um, um, reporting or representation. I think the thing that, that, that more than anything, what um, people need to feel 
in uh, need to feel uh, is that their experience is being reflected and understood by the medium. I think that's the most important thing. I think you know there, there's nothing if there's something that is is all consistent. I think uh, across just about all forms of um, uh, uh, all forms of uh, mental disorders, it's the power powerful powerful sense of isolation, uh, the sense that you're alone, that you live in the world and that nobody understands you. Um, nobody sees the world like you do. Um, nobody's listening. Um, all those kinds of things are seem to be an almost universal condition of just about any mental disorder you would care to talk about. And I think that so so what we're, what we're, what we're talking about is not it's not just simply a matter of um, um, being accurately represented or accurately reported on. I think all those things can be incredibly helpful and useful. I mean, you would love to see, you know, for example, even news reports that are sensitive and accurate. Um, but I think, I think, I think what, what, what is really, really critical in terms of um, beginning the process of helping to people live with their own issues is the sense that they're understood and I think that this is where, in many cases, what film has managed to do is, is to, to take a kind of a, a, a lead. And it's not always because, because you know, films are, are necessarily sensitive. I think it's, it's because they're so rich, you know? So sometimes you can just kind of, you can see an actor on screen, you can see a story depicted, you can hear music, something that just seems to kind of reach out to you and says, this is, yeah, this is it, this, this gets it, this is me, this is where I have been. So I think in that sense, and it's also a question of, of, of sometimes, is, you know, is it, is, it, is it more effective to speak to people sort of through art and creativity or through directness of description? And I think in many cases, what can be more, very much, very much more profound the person who is looking to find an experience that reflects their own experience, it is uh, this is where this is where I think art and interpretation of things rather than reporting on things can be so powerful. I don't want to in any way dismiss. I would love to see all forms of our culture provide a more kind of accurate and sensitive um, reflection of and discussion of mental health issues. But I think that still what, what, what film does is it, it often provides that critical experience of allowing the viewer to say this gets it this is where I have been right forms of media that involve uh, say what a newscaster does and, and you speak about yeah, yeah. potentially having more um, news reporting yeah, yeah. that is more sensitive yeah. that uh, it, it seems almost like it might be risky in joining this gray area that appeals to emotion yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that that level of risk where you can't yeah you can't um, compromise the the integrity of a news source or yeah. or fall into a sort of bias yeah. and and bring that level of politics into yeah. it would yeah. you say that film is a safer role for that exploration it's it's coveted for the fact that you can have your point of view and yeah. be protected by that subjectivity yeah i think so i think i mean and, and also i mean the the um, uh, what you know what uh, the oldest oldest reason and it persists for people to um go to movies is, is because
because they're seeking an escape. And when you think about it, that's such a revealing um, thing to say um, mm -hmm. because it begs the question, escape from what, escape to where, etc., etc. But I think that the, again, the advantage the film has is that it is understood as a kind of um, uh, an immersive fictional environment that involves an interpretation of the world. And I think in that sense, um, you know, films have rules as well, especially, you know, that I mean they're different countries make different kinds of films, there are different genres of films, etc., etc., etc. But the fact is, is that, you know, you can, you can look at something like um, uh, a horror movie, for instance, and that horror movie um, can uh, be uh, an experience that is particularly intense for you if what it's articulating is some of your feelings and anxieties about the world. Um, and I don't think that, you know, when you get, to, again, you get to sort of more sort of objective, rule-bound forms of communication, they can't quite provide that. And I think that what, what film, what one of the reasons that we like film is that we know what we are going to get is a fictional interpretation of the world. And um, I think that, you know, film is, uh, has that kind of permission as well as those elements in its making that provides a way of looking at the world that is, in, you know, infinitely expressive. So I, I, these are all my thoughts on why people like movies. <laughs> well, then, why, they, why I think they can be extremely... I'm also talking as somebody who, who you know, for instance, for, for something was going on in me, and I don't fully understand it because I don't try not to self-analyze, but, you know, by the time I was like um, eight, nine years old, um, I had decided that there was something about movies uh, that was a far, far more interesting experience than life as I was living it. And I oh, wow. I have really never let go of that feeling, right? Or else I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, so something, something going on in me was so kind of deeply um, thrilled and amazed and attracted to this medium that it, it, you know, it basically put me on a path where my entire life I would end up writing about film and teaching about film and programming film festivals and all that, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was largely because of, cl clearly, there was a very, very deep emotional connection to it. So, you know, this is, part of this is abstract, part of this is intellectual, part of it is just something that I have innately experienced my entire life. It's interesting to use the word escapism mm -hmm. and with the idea of certain mental health issues that bring up these notions of escaping through, say, alcohol or food right. or having addictions mm -hmm. of some sort, is it risky to treat film or the fictional world mm -hmm. in the same sort of escapism sort of way if we push it to that extreme? Or is that an extreme well, area that exists? No, I think, I mean, no, the fact is, I mean, you know, pop cultural obsession is, it can be as much of an addiction as any of the substances you just mentioned. And, and, and it can be, it can be symptomatic of, of, of sort of uh, problems in your life if for the same reasons those substances are, are might be, which is, you know, is it, is it getting, you asked the question, is it getting in the way of your life? Is it, is it becoming something which is interfering with, with, with what you think is the 
proper way you should be conducting your life. On the other hand, um, the the difference is is that you know you might you might look at the human brain as as even sort of inclined towards addiction and obsession. It might well be that it is programmed for that. It might also well be that we all have different forms of addiction. Um, it's just that some are less conspicuous, less dangerous, and less frowned upon by society than others are. But I do think that you know what 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 it, with with if if you want to take what I think is you know. Uh, a deep and natural attraction um, to the medium of film and you tap into that and get people to watch very closely I think the difference is is then what you do is you create the opportunity for a discussion and I don't think there's any amount of cocaine you can use or alcohol you can drink that on the other end can be turned around into a useful opportunity for discussion uh, unless, until you are like seriously devoted to recovering. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the great thing about these sort of these uh, uh, popular media is that we can we can be obsessed with them, but we can also um, use that obsession and use our brains and use our attraction to engage in kind of community discussions. We, we do that anyway, right? I mean, the, this is the interesting thing is that we do that anyway. Is that we, we, we see movies, we love to talk about movies. Um, we obsess over what's happening on television shows. Uh, some people can go absolutely over the moon about sports, right, and stay there. Um, so we do it anyway, but I think is if you can do it as a way of generating discussion about things that otherwise people wouldn't be comfortable talking about, then 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 there is an advantage to our obsession with these things, which is not shared with I think some more kind of dangerous substances. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. One of my last interviews, uh, I I spoke with a gentleman who spoke a lot about a, a particular drug that allowed him to take these sorts of trips and right, make emotional right. connections and uh, form different understandings about the world because of the drugs. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was almost as if he treated this drug as the same form of escapism and way to find these connections and understandings and, and heal, yeah. healings yeah. Uh, that film can do for other people. Yeah. And secondly, the fact that film and media and all these different platforms that we have mm -hmm. these days can open up a realm of discussion, mm -hmm. can, can start to provoke and poke different parts of the world that we want to change or yes. we want to examine put under the microscope. Yes. Absolutely true, I agree. I think yep. one of the big questions that I have is to what degree are we as humans mm -hmm. using these platforms to make that progression and in what ways are we using it for manipulation to sell a certain product or even to take a look across the border right now how attractive people can be to pop culture and, and somebody like Trump who mm -hmm, knows mm -hmm. how to mm -hmm. be in front of a camera to sell a certain product or a certain yeah. platform it's astounding to know the kinds of supporters who I don't know, because they're attracted to pop culture and big, flashy, mm -hmm. in-your-face type of news or mm -hmm. uh, products, is that something 
Is that something that worries you? Does do you see that in film at all? Do you ever question some of the stories that you come across as a film festival director? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I mean the, the, there there is the fact is is that is that you know um, the 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 media that you're talking about, and of course they have only just kind of like multiplied in in the last. 30, 40 years are continuing to multiply, get more efficient, become more kind of insinuated in our lives, um, are not sort of um, in any way universally, I think, positive or negative. I think one of the things that is, I have uh, continued faith in, in the uh, human mind uh, for is its ability to resist um, uh, if not, you know, resist manipulation to ask questions about things. Um, and I think that it is when you believe, when you, when, you, when you start to function in a world without any questioning of how that world operates and what you're being told and what the interests are behind the media that you're consuming, then I think then you have entered into a very, very, very sort of dangerous state for me. But what I do see is that um, all around me, I see continuing evidence of people who are interested in whether they're working in film or whether they're working in forms of digital media, um, is uh, uh, people who are um, uh, asking questions about how these systems operate. I don't think there's any question, for instance, that, uh, you know, digital culture, to me, is, I look at it very clearly as an, a, a dangerously addictive form of media because it hits on all the things that our brain just is most vulnerable to, which is uh, distraction, instant gratification, um, the sense that there is a constant, 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 because the constant tug of what's next. What is the next message? What is the next program I should be watching? What is the next this? What is the next that? All of that plays upon and manipulates the tendency of the human brain to seek um, distraction. Mm-hmm. And when we are that distracted, then that, that has to have an impact on culture, right? It has to. I don't even think that's arguable. It has to have an impact on our culture. Yet on the other hand, if we can if we can use some of that stuff, if we still have the will to use some of that stuff to create our own media experience, to generate conversations, to challenge what's going on, that's the other thing too, is it is it is it is it that we have never had more of an opportunity to shape our own media experience create our own media experience as we are doing right here mm-hmm. than by this technology so it's not it's not it's never a case of kind of you know sort of um, 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 anything being universally good or bad but I do yeah so I like to think yes there are things to worry about but yes there are things to I think um, um, be um, reassured and inspired by it's interesting right because a lot of the conversations that I've been involved in, the conversation that you and I are having right now, right, about um, stigma of mental health media wouldn't have been had 20 years ago. Right. Wouldn't have been had. So something's happened 
in our culture where we can sit down and quite comfortably have this discussion. And I don't think it's coincidental, for instance, that the same, that, that's that same 20 years when basically digital media has completely taken over. So I think, you know, um, we have to bear in mind that, you know, uh, yeah, the, there's nothing um, more kind of unnerving than the mere existence of somebody like Donald Trump, let alone the possibility that he could become the leader of the so-called free world. Yet, on the other hand, we also live in a world where there are discussions like this going on as well. So, Would you say that that's because the general population has become more open to having these conversations or because content is being democratized and those who are more open to having these conversations are just now pulling into their own section of forming this media no I think I think it's I think it's a question of both I think I think what's what's happened is that um, as more people have acquired um, voices and have acquired the context in which to be heard um, I think that um, uh, there is more awareness and more sensitivity I think as more of us have had opportunities to share our experiences with others, um, whether it's uh, online or through podcasts, etc., etc., um, that necessarily creates a sense of community and it creates a context in which people feel comfortable speaking up. Um, and I think that the 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 other thing is that, uh, it, especially when it comes to um, sort of mental health issues is for so long um, it was either these were things that were either not discussed or they were considered to be the sort of exclusive domain of the um, medical establishment and community and I think that what has been understood even by that so-called medical establishment now is that there isn't anything that's probably quite as healing um, as the uh, sense that you can speak with someone who understands your experience because they've been through it. So the more communication that's going on in the world about this kind of stuff, I think has necessarily generated more of these conversations taking place. And being a director of a film festival that has so much material on this right, topic, right. what's been the most exciting shift you've seen in this sort of conversation? Oh, I think I would say you know it's well certainly um, um, you know one of the things that that w that without fail uh, happens at Rendezvous and I've seen it a number of times, which is like amazing, is that you show a film. Let's say, for example, um, I'll take an example of a film that we showed last year, a uh, remarkable Australian film called Eight, the numeral Eight, and uh, it was a real time continuous take, almost 90-minute movie, um, about a woman uh, with a very severe form of obsessive-compulsive disorder getting out of bed and trying to get out of the house in 90 minutes. Wow. And it was a very, like, unbelievably intense experience, like, unbelievably intense experience. But the thing was, what is interesting is, you know, the movie, the movie was, was incredible because, like, it's so powerfully, so powerfully suggested what the experience of living with that disorder is like, where every single second, every effort becomes a matter of infinite choices and you're constantly faced with the pressure of what do I do now? What do I do now? I can't get into the house. I can't do this. 
and anyway, it was it was very intense. But what was amazing was that after that, after that, to hear three people stand up and talk about family members or loved ones that they knew who had gone through that experience, and to speak of OCD, as one of them said last year, is not just a punchline for a joke, not just something you say about a you know a, a a partner or spouse who cleans up too much or you know spends too much time folding laundry, but the real pain of living in that disorder, the real pain of living with it in it in its in, in its extremity. It was just incredible to hear people be able to stand up and say, I have no one has ever fully understood what I have gone through with someone else or with a with with a, with a partner um, until I saw this film, right? And that was incredible, and that, that happens all the time, and that happens all the time, and I think I think that the the thing is is that um, did you want me to go? Um, you were maybe picking that up. Yeah. yeah. No, they're done. Pro- probably, probably. <laughs> Sorry, to go back to no, no, no. Sentence. I was just going to say. I was just say. So the incredible thing about, about was was, and this happens around a lot, was seeing how the experience of that film um, allowed people to speak in public and say, for the very first time, I thought nobody understood what I was going through, whether other what I was had been going through personally what I had been going through with a family member, what I had been going through with a loved one. I didn't think anybody understood it until I saw that film. That's an enormously powerful experience and, and it comes up over and over again. I think the, uh, the other thing that is really interesting, is, is, is fascinating, is understanding that the, this discussion is only just getting underway. It's just starting. Mm-hmm. And seeing the way that different cultures, different countries, different genres, different kinds of filmmaking have addressed issues, uh, uh, and sometimes the same issues, that's very exciting because what you realize is that this is potentially an infinite area of discussion and creativity. So it would be if if. If the film festival was nothing but documentaries about how to recover and and was nothing but, you know, clinicians sitting into the camera and talking while acoustic guitar music were playing (laughs) in the background and there were pictures of people adjusting to their lives, it would be punishing. But it's not that. I mean... It is not that at all. It is instead, it is a an invitation to be creative, to be daring, to be controversial, um, and to um, and also, I also think that what's exciting is because it seems still seems so new, is it's a kind of it's a creative frontier, and that means that uh, we can go anywhere we want with it. And what is impressive to me is how many people are doing that. So it, it's a film festival that has international yes. resources. And you mentioned some of these films are looking at these mental illnesses or disorders yeah. in a very serious tone, yeah. not just using, say, OCD as a punchline of a joke. Right. That being said, do you get any comedies? And oh, how yeah. do you feel about using comedy to portray these sorts of mental illnesses? I think you know it's it's. I mean, no, we, we have had we've have had had comedies, um, um, and 
We've had comedies. We've had uh, horror movies, uh, very good horror movies, by the way. We have had um, sort of uh, 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 romantic comedies, rom-coms. Um, we have had all kinds of things. We've had thrillers. We've had documentaries, experimental films. Um, so, I, and as far as comedy is concerned, I think it's absolutely... There is nothing quite as cathartic, right, as being able to laugh at the ridiculousness of your own condition. If you can do that, if you can get there, if you feel you're being laughed at, that's a different thing. But if you feel that it's, it's, it, it, is, it, it is a form of humor that understands you, I think that can be incredibly cathartic because what it means is you're able to step outside of your own condition for a minute and go, that's me. I understand that. That's how that's how I can behave. And so uh, I think that, yeah, the ability to laugh at it, at it is incredibly, incredibly important. Have you ever experienced any feedback to one of the films in your festival from an audience member who was offended by something? You know, very, very rarely, believe it or not, does that happen. Um, what we tend to do is um, sometimes um, there will be um, films that um, prior to the experience of actually showing the films, uh, people have uh, expressed certain misgivings about. But I would say very rarely, after, because I mean we we you know we we're we're quite careful about programming. We're not afraid to be controversial at all, but we want people to understand why we're showing something. Like why we're showing something because we think that it is something that will ultimately lead to the all important process of a discussion afterwards, and so there there aren't a lot a lot of complaints or offense. Sometimes it's most likely and the kinds of complaints you'll get is that you know we didn't give enough time to a Q and A at the end, so <laughs> somebody didn't get a chance to ask their question, so they were t they took that sometimes a little bit personally that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. but no, rarely rarely has anyone come up to us and said that you know this film you know I was hurt by this film um, that hasn't you know that hasn't happened because I think also because the festival has created a context in which people know that they're going sometimes going to be challenged and I think people also kind of that's part of the reason why they go to the festival is to know that they they may not be getting a conventional experience and um, I think they're you know the, the fact is you're far more likely experience misrepresentation or an inaccurate depiction of your own experience in mainstream media or just by turning on television than you are by yeah. a lot of these films and so I think by definition the people who are coming to coming to the to see the films at rendezvous are looking for more challenging uh, alternative kind of experiences how do you go about choosing the films that make it into your festival Oh, well, we have a, you know, we, first thing we do is we sit down, we kind of go through, uh, there are a number of festivals around the world um, that we know um, are likely to contain titles that we're interested in. So the first thing we do is kind of scour those festivals and see what they have been showing around the world. Uh, we also have a, an, a submission process um, and uh, where we are open for submissions. I think it's in, I shouldn't know this. Right? <laughs> Why am I saying I think? Because I can't remember. We can I, put it in the yeah, show notes no, it's, after. Yeah, it's, it's in May. It's in May, I believe, is our, is our submission deadline. Okay. Um, and so, you know, we, we had uh, something in the neighborhood of um, 300 uh, submissions from around the world this year. That's amazing. Uh, well, yeah, because like last year it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 submissions. And I would like to say that's because our reputation soared um, because of my involvement in it, but that would be completely untrue. <laughs> I think it's mostly because 
more of this work is taking place and more people are looking for venues in which to kind of like screen these works so uh, yeah and that's how we get that's how you know we're looking at things from I mean there were probably at least uh, close to 30 different countries represented I would like to see more you know I would like to see more and I think and one of the exci really exciting things about it is that I'm absolutely convinced we will you know we will and next year's the 25th anniversary of the festival so it'd be nice to just kind of present the world's most kick-ass mental health recovery and addiction event I think that should be the tag on the poster for <laughs> <Exactly>. you <laughs> kick-ass yeah yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll make another kick-ass film. And yeah, it'll be about it'll mental all, health. Mental health superheroes who have <laughs> mental illnesses. Right? Yeah. Like that movie. Oh, I'm writing a series should like exist. that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Them. No, no, no. That should totally exist. <laughs> Do you accept um, a wide variety of different types of? Uh, like short films and feature films, absolutely series works. Or... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, what we what we have looked at is, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's anything uh, in this year's festival, for example. It's everything from um, uh, uh, animated pieces running between one and three minutes um, to uh, feature films, dramatic feature films. Um, uh, documentary features, short documentary features, um, experimental films, and we are also showing certain things which um, uh, you know are we're we're putting up on screen that will were produced for television in other countries as well. Oh, cool. You know, so and I would also like to see this festival just kind of like, like open up in that way too. I would love to see more uh, 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 television work in the festival. Only because I think the television is a is also is in some ways and and it's very interesting in terms of the way it's breaking through, especially with the depiction of things like addiction on television. It's like amazing what's happened in the last 15, 20 years. The way that we consume it, even yeah, yeah and even the, the exactly, and then the other side of it, the addictive way we consume it, all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, like last year we did a symposium, we call it a symposium, I'm, I've been told not to use that word because it means boring, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we had a forum last year that was all about, for example, um, the depiction of addiction on television and television as an addictive substance. And we had a day-long discussion about like a few different panels and, like that, and it was really, really cool to hear people talking about that. This year, we're, we're actually opening up the parameters of the festival to include a full day forum on gaming. Because gaming, as both something that people worry about as a source of addiction, but also increasingly something that people turn to as a form of creative expression and as a form of focusing a disordered mind is also something that's really interesting. It's about technology, it's about obsession, and there's no easy answer. So we're doing also a full day of uh, discussion as well as, as, as gaming design for people who have disorders. Um, and that so that kind of thing is is I mean it's just it's just just you know even as I say it and I mean this and I think about it it's kind of like well I couldn't have landed in a better programming area because this truly is one where the, where there the possibilities at the moment are just absolutely infinite so yeah it's an exciting time it is an exciting yeah it is yeah 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 and it's, it's just an, 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 it all kind of um, so I say it's it's it all makes complete sense to me too because uh, at a very sort of as I say relatively early age I, under, I understood because I looked at I looked at my peer group around me 
It's like nobody seems to be as obsessed with this particular television show as I am. Nobody seems to be like writing down the names of all the characters and, and looking forward to the arrival of the TV guide every week and collecting everything <laughs> I possibly could. Nobody seems to have this kind of relationship. So for I've, I've understood for a long time that there's probably some kind of clinical mental disorder at work in my mind, in my obsession with popular culture and movies, etc., etc. So it's just kind of nice to see that, that, uh, that um, 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 I can now take that obsession and um, in, in, in very selfishly, I think, maybe learn a little bit about myself as well. Well, that being said, what are your favorite shows right now that you're following? Oh boy, I mean, I don't, I don't catch up very quickly. Um, but there's uh, so much out there. I know right it's now. crazy. It's crazy. It's it's, it, but it's wonderfully crazy because, um, uh, and through most of my life, uh, one of the things you could never say is there's more good television around than you could possibly watch these days. However, there does seem to be. Mm-hmm. A lot. I have a long list of needs to watch. Yes. Well, we should probably exchange because I'm always looking for <laughs> recommendations. Like I'm. Well, have you seen Stranger Things yet? I have seen. I've seen Stranger Things. Yes, I liked it very, very much. That was my most recent. Yeah. Night, replacing an entire evening with just binge watching the whole first yes, season. Yes. 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 Praying they put together a second. Yeah, and I and I, and, and the, there's certain other things that I have been meaning and trying to catch up with. Uh, like um, the night of, I haven't seen that yet. HBO, okay. I haven't, haven't the seen the television. Haven't okay, I've heard that's really good. The night of. Um, What's I, that about? It is John Turturro is in it, and it's apparently it takes place mostly in a uh, in a uh, police station, right? And he plays a lawyer, and it's all about kind of like the. It's I mean it's a cop story, but it's apparently this incredibly rich, beautifully well acted film noir uh, cop show um, which that interests me I'm very interested in um, the new version of Westworld um, (laughs) because I saw that movie in 1973 but I think to get back to things sort of over the years that I found really really um, uh, um, satisfying the two the two programs that kind of made me Realize that television was not what it used to be a number of years ago. Now we're probably seeing this, um, the Sopranos and the Wire back to back, and realizing, oh, oh, this is this is really interesting. But also that this it was just, but in both cases, it was so much richer than anything I was seeing uh, in film, and so that's what allowed me to kind of you know um, perk up and pay attention. And so uh, what I do is I kind of I wait for uh, enough people I know. Uh, whose taste I trust to recommend things to me, and then I put them on the long, long list of things I have to, I have to uh, um, uh, catch up with. At this rate, um, I will have caught up with everything by the time I'm about 357 years old. So I've got, I've got a ways to go yet. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. Sometimes that gives me anxiety. I'll never yeah. be able to watch I know. all the well, material. I, kind of, you know, I, I never will. I know that, and I decided that a long time ago. Is like I would never be able to hear all the music I wanted to hear. Yeah, I would never be able to see all the movies. Gives us the case of the FOMOs. No, yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah, no, it's not good thinking for me. Which we've created for ourselves as well. Yes. I would love to. There's so much more that I know I want to talk to you about. It so we'll have okay. to have you back on the show again. Thank you for My taking pleasure. the time to sit with me. My pleasure. So I think I've put like four different types of lotion on my burn. So I burnt my finger 
on really hot water and it's at that point where it's like all scaly and gross and really itchy yeah also welcome back oh hi welcome back <laughs> I, my hand is so itchy it's ridiculous but kaylee has this pocket pharmacy thing that looks really interesting i think you should um this should be our one cool thing how about you explain it to I me because i want yeah. one yeah it's super cool so it's called the par- pocket pharmacy they spell it f a r M-A-C-Y. Farm. Super punny. Yeah, because everything's natural in it. They're, it's a little pocketbook of different oils. Oh, that's so cool. From a store called Sage. S-A-J-E. It's a Canadian store or... I believe it's Canadian because the first store that I found is actually out in Burlington. We okay. do have one in the Eaton Center here in Toronto now. There's one on, Yon- or on Queen Street too. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they're popping up all over the place. I don't know if this booklet says where they're from. Oh, Vancouver. Yes. Oh, cool. Canadian. Very cool. So, Canadian. Oh, hey. Hey. Uh, we just pumped our hearts. That's great. Yeah. So, we need a video camera. Uh, you know, maybe somebody will, you know, <laughs> hey, whoever wants to sponsor us out there so that we can turn this into digital content. Hello. Yeah. Anyways, okay. So, bunch of different oils in here. There's one called the Pep Halo. It's very strong peppermint you actually put on your temples when you have a headache. And That's don't put I too need. much because it, it's a very potent feeling. It, it, it's uh, not that it like burns, but if you put too much on, it's just like it, it, that sensation will stay for too long. Like, it's, pe- yeah, it's literally pep- peppermint, it's peppermint infused into the oil. Yeah. There's one called Immune. Um, and you put it on certain parts of your actual digestion system. So like you can, oh. you can, uh, you can actually put it underneath like on your throat. You can actually put it on your belly, like certain parts of your your core, right? That seeps directly into your body, um, and if you have some problems with digestion, that's what uh, that's what it's supposed to aid with. Interesting. There's one called Eater's Digest. Maybe I got those mixed up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'll provide the information for you to look up online what these actually do. There's the Eater's Digest. I think immune. Um, Let's say that it helps with your immune system. Guys, I'm a doctor. Totally. There's a stress release. I love the smell of this. I feel like that's something I need in my life. Does that not smell like you just met a magical fairy in the woods and she's about to solve all your problems? With a magic fairy wand. Yeah. It's Um, got a woodsy smell to it. I think it's good for anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. I... Whenever I feel like I have, like, an anxiety attack coming on, uh, or I'm like, oh, cool, breathing is real hard right now. I'm not good at breathing either. No. I'm not. That's something that Lewis always used to drill me on. It's just, he's like, cool, so throughout that whole monologue, did you breathe once? Yeah, that's it's- something I've been working on. And even as a dancer, like, my teachers would always be like, how are you not breathing? Yeah. Like, you need to breathe. Like, as a dancer, as a singer, as an actor. Everything. As a human. <laughs> that's the thing. You don't know how much it affects, like, your ability to perform in a yeah. dance or to have, to hit the right notes or to hit the right metaphorical emotional notes in a scene. It affects your brain. It affects your mood. It affects yeah. everything. And I know I personally don't breathe enough. Yeah, uh, same here. <clears throat> Anyways, what's this one? Pain release. Pain release. So this one is, you know, joints and whatnot. But my favorite that we'll leave, uh, leave off on new one that my mom just bought me because uh, I believe it's a husband and wife who started this up. Uh, maybe the company or just oils. Uh, again, for research to be done online. Probably sage.com. We'll find that. There are two different scents that I guess the man made for the woman and the woman, the wife made for the husband. Uh, they are 
scents that are supposed to be essentially aphrodisiacs for one another. So they made them for each other, this couple. And I I have the, the one made for women. It's called Goddess. And it's just, again, let me smell it. It's like mm. almost got the citrusy scent to it. Almost I, like citrusy but florally, but like... Yeah, I, but they're all like... Everything just smells... I don't know. Mm. Natural, like it smells like an aphrodisiac, and I don't know how to explain it. Everything's very like, guys, guys. You can. I'm gonna smell like a hippie. You will smell me coming from uh, no, around the corner. No, but it smells like patchouli. a good hippie. It's not like I'm sorry for anybody who wears patchouli. I just can't. <laughs> like when I think of a hippie smell, that's what I think of. Uh, but we'll we'll turn everybody into little woodland fairies one at a time. Right. Okay. So the website is sage.com. S a j e dot com. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Yes. So, guys. Very neato. I, ooh, I really like this goddess smell. I know. Like, it's not hippie at all. I feel like it's something you would buy in Italy because it's like, you know, because in Italy they're all about, like, their natural perfumes. Yeah. That's what it smells like. Overseas in Europe they have a lot, like, even their food, everything's very Maybe natural. Maybe I'll meet a there. man that wants to smell me with my aphrodisiac right. smell now. Hey, today's going to be your day, girl. Go be smell that Smell me. <laughs> Although I work at a woman's boutique, so that's totally going to get me. Yeah, but maybe someone's going to come in shopping for his mother and be like, what's that smell? You smell like a goddess. And then he'll tell you about his mother, and it'll be real weird. You'll be like, get away from me, you're a mama's boy. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa, is he? And yes. Make yourselves feel better with the smells that you take in. Uh, Let Mm -hmm. those affect be. Let the smells on your own body affect your viewing and auditory experience in the film-going world. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Yes. It's been a pleasure. It has. It smells so great. I'm in great mood. I know. <laughs> I just, just smell like smells, and I love smells. Most Except closely. for stinky smells. Yeah. But, you know, scent is most closely associated with memory and with emotions. So, uh, especially for women. I think it's auditory for men. Okay. But this has incredible effects on your mood. So, well, go stink up some good emotions. Those emotions are getting stanky. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll stink you later. Bye.